Hello, this is the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I'm joined on the phone with Alex Schieferdecker. You, uh, you were just in Minnesota, but you're back in Philadelphia, so we, didn't, uh, we, we refused to record anything when you're actually here in person. But hey, Alex. Hey, you know, it was a busy couple of days. Totally understandable. I'm absolving us of any, of any uh, shame on this front. I also had like my appendix out. During, during part of the trip when you were here, so, so. on on um so on Saturday night we'll talk about the games. But on Saturday night I went to the your bar uh, after Heard the game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and while there was a line of people to get their IDs checked, and while we were in line, I heard people discussing you getting your appendix out. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, you didn't see that on Twitter? Like, like Wes had his appendix out. And I was like, who are these people? <laughs> Welcome to my life. It's a stupid life I live. Uh, I was um, bartending last week uh, for e- EPL and Bundesliga on Saturday mornings. And um, we had this giveaway where we were giving away two uh, U.S. Women's National Team tickets. And, you know, I was hoping, because we are, like, Saturday, Sunday morning stuff is still, like... Uh, you know, unless it's Crystal Palace or Liverpool, not that many people. So I'm giving <laughs> away this stuff, and um, and like only two women show up, and I'm like, all right, well, you guys have a pretty good shot of winning here. But they said that um, one of them, their uh, boyfriend, is a big fan of the show, but like is too nervous, was like too nervous to come meet me, and I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. <laughs> uh, maybe nervous, or maybe he's just too antisocial. I was like. Well, all right. That's that's totally cool. I'm glad that you two ladies came out to watch soccer with us today. So, mm-hmm. anyway, they won the tickets to the U.S. Women's game. So, next time you losers want tickets that are worth seventy bucks each, you should just answer the call and come uh, drink with me. But um, yeah. So anyway, it's a it's a lot of people who know weirdly about my inner organs. Um, yeah. So. Uh, we we are we're doing this on a Tuesday night, unusual because I had the Minnesota um, for Warren thing at the bar um, on Monday, and so couldn't do it, and uh, wasn't sure if we could record a podcast, but wanted to do something. So I, uh, Rodrigo was very mad at us for doing this, but I was like, I'm just going to call up Alex after I get the kids down. We'll do a quick podcast, talk about the games, maybe preview some stuff. No Twitter questions, no extra news. Uh, that sound all right? Sounds good to me. Okay, let's do big quarters. We'll come back, and I want to hear about your your uh, uh, virginal experiences at uh, Cloud City. <laughs> All right, Alex, you were at Cloud City for the first time. Uh, tell tell me about it. What did what did it live up to all your dreams? Yeah. Uh, it was a, a, a very weird experience, and it was a very familiar experience. Obviously, I've been watching the team play at this stadium for you know most of a season now. I, I can't remember how many games, you know, twelve, let's say, games at this stadium. So, on one hand, everything was very familiar, and I've been to MLS games in bunch of other stadiums, including Red Bull Arena and, and uh, Children's Mercy Park, you know, so some of the better stadiums in the league, um, Providence Park in Portland. So, you know, I know what the MLS experience is like, and I'd seen it 
in Allianz Field, Cloud City. But then there was something weird. It was just something so sort of weird about actually going there and being like, oh, you know, this is this is where I used to buy groceries. Um, <laughs> I used to go bowl and, right over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go to Midway Pro Bowl in Delhi, uh, right there. Um, y- you know, and and having having all of. I mean, I, I I think I said this when when the loons opened the stadium, and this was just my take from afar. But it was reinforced: is that who are all these people? Where did they come from? It, it's just wild to me because, and I think I said this to just about everybody I met this past week because I remember when it was a couple thousand people. You probably remember when it was a couple hundred people, and suddenly. You know, it's 18,000, 19,000 people, no sweat. And I saw all kinds of folks, old, older folks who I was like, where were you all these years? You know, and, and all kinds of younger people. I saw people walking around the Twin Cities wearing loons gear on the, on the uh, days that they weren't playing. It was just, it was so strange to have it be so obviously mainstream. And I think I'm still... You know, it's all sort of a, a brain dump, but I'm still kind of processing it because it was so incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, it 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 still. Um, it, I think people talk about the the, the funny part where um, you now can kind of uh, see people. You in the past you used to be able to see people and you'd see their loons gear and you'd like nod right or the NFC yeah. minute you'd be like hey and you'd like and now you like nod at them and they don't they think you're being weird and it's like oh yeah it's no longer this stupid secret club and it's great that it's no longer the super secret club but it is like a a change where you're like oh jesus there's a lot of people here and there's like my um uh, uh the the uh woman who not nannies for our kids like one one day a week um who's like a the mom of a friend of ours like She'll come and see the kids tomorrow, and she'll ask me about the game because she went to the one two or three games ago or whatever. And it's just funny. It's like, yeah, there's just like people who are around. You know, it's not just people. It's not just, you know, the, these kind of diehards or whatever. And I, I think it's also maybe f- fictionalized somewhat or mythologized somewhere in our head. There was always, um, you know, just casual normies from Anoka and Fridley coming to games, but, um, but it's now there's just a, a crap load of them and it's, it's, it's great. I mean, yeah, it, more the merrier. I guess it used to feel, and this, and this is, you know, half reality and half something that probably went on in, went on in all of our heads, which is that you had to sort of be an evangelist, you know, or you had to be sort of nuts in some way to drive 25 minutes or whatever up to Blaine every weekend to stand in this windy, you know, concrete stadium and yeah. watch this lower division team play and to care about it. And just suddenly, you know, seeing people casually discussing, just very casually discussing the team or, or you know, I, I walked into um, Afro Delhi a couple of days later and there was a, a couple guys and one one I overheard one saying, "Oh, you know, MLS is simple. I'll explain it to you." You know, and, and just to hear that kind of just casual discussion, you know, where people 
you don't have to convince people to learn about it. People are like, what's up with MLS? You know, like, what's up with Minnesota? That is just so bizarre to me. I I, I can't get over it. Um, and so, but your thoughts on the the stadium itself, give me, because, uh, give me, give me your, your quick take on that. Well, I, I, you know, I thought it was just fantastic. I thought that the, um, I, I spent one, I, I went to two games this week. I went to both games. I went to the first one I stood in the Wonder Wall. Uh, and the second I was in the stands. And, uh, you know, the experience in, in the Wonder Wall was just fantastic. And the second day on, on the weekend, I walked around the stadium to try to get a sense of how loud the, the supporters are in other parts of the stadium. And, and by the beer hall, there are so many people talking that it is kind of a little muted. But elsewhere in the stadium, in the stands, it's very loud. Yeah. It's it's as loud basically as it was in Portland, uh, and it's and it's louder than any other place I've seen a game in MLS by yeah. by a big margin. Yeah, I, I s- sat in the for the uh, first half in, for, of the Orlando games, the Saturday game. I sat up uh, in the the gray cloud section um, uh, just because I was not feeling up for jumping, and I. It left at half basically it was like all right my stomach's not feeling this my my bowels are uh moving around too much but um i uh what was funny to me is sitting there um it, it was very loud the section so it's the first um time i've ever moved out of the section for a league game i've done that during friendlies and so i was impressed with how loud it was and i i, I realized like one of the reasons i need to be in the wonder wall is um because everyone's <clears throat> singing and yelling there so much you don't have to feel you don't have to listen to some other group of dudes asinine conversation where there was this one guy who like couldn't understand why they were playing metonier out of position as a fullback and he should be and i was just i wanted to be like what the fuck are you on dude <laughs> i was just like he this dude loved gasper yo gasper is my dude gasper is my dude it's my dude he's awesome he's but i love I love that there are casual fans who know who are really misinformed. I think that's fantastic. We've we've arrived, man. I know. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. It's, yeah, it's it's it was really funny, and I was like, oh, I'm, I might die here. Actually, the, <laughs> it, it, he wasn't the full reason I left. I actually had abdominal pain. But um, let's uh, let's talk about the games then. Um, Wednesday, I had to go back and like remember what the hell happened here. Um, uh, we played Colorado. Uh, it was a one nil win. Um, the, the, the lineup difference was that, um, Robin load started instead of Finley. Um, and, uh, um, eventually Finley did come on. Dotson came on later. Um, it was, it was kind of a crazy game in that we had 27 shots to their 11. We had nine shots on target to their three, but still it was just a one nil. And, uh, uh, involved a, a a missed penalty kick. Uh, what what did, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, I think to some extent I am willing to give a mulligan any game you play Colorado because they're just sort of an anti team. Uh, they they their mo since um, since they won MLS Cup, you know, uh, I think has been. Uh, to sort of grind the game down to nothing, and to, they play ugly soccer. They've never played interesting soccer, and they kind of—you do have to sort of go, be willing to go down to their level sometimes. And I thought that the Loons played well; they were the better team. But 
I also thought that they, it wasn't pretty to watch. I mean, it was not an attractive game. And I was totally expecting to somehow, you know, concede a really stupid goal. I think it was maybe most exciting was to not do that and to have that one Darwin Quintero counterattack goal um, hold up. Uh, that was that felt good. It felt good to 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 have the team pretty solidly hold on to that victory. Um, Certainly, it's one of those. Games. And it was a beautiful goal. I oh. mean, it, that was a, the one moment of quality in that game was Kevin Molino's pass that set up the goal, and it was a pretty deserved winner. Um, I was, was going to say a game like this really starts to set up, and I think has started to move the Icopara as at least candidate. Uh, top three of Defender of the Year. Um, I think if Minnesota can finish in the top four, maybe win a playoff game, then the case for Ike being Player of the Year, certainly for Minnesota, I think is easy. But in the best 11 for MLS and maybe Defender of the Year, uh, it's got to be there, right? I mean, you can just uh, look at the difference between Kansas City then and Kansas City now. You can yeah. look at the difference between Minnesota then, Minnesota now. And certainly we've added Aussie. We've done other things. But I, I, I can't see anyone who's had more of an impact uh, on the on the team, uh, you know. Th- this no, year. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And with Metanera's sort of, the sort of shifting nature about his contributions in the offense and how it sometimes seems a little bit more of a liability than, than a strength. Uh, you do have to recognize, though, that he is not getting beat on the right side. I mean, even though he is getting forward, his defensive contributions in, in def- you know, as a fullback have been excellent. Um, so yeah, I, I, I totally agree with yeah, Ike. I, I, I totally agree with Ike. I just, I, I, I I think it earlier in the year, I remember people were talking about Medinaire being yeah. potentially a defender of the year and, and you know, his, his, he hasn't necessarily put together the offensive season that it seemed possible he might, but, but the whole defense from Metanera to Gasper, uh, and Boxall has played very well recently too. Mm-hmm. So yep. I, I think that, but you know, it all, whole, it all owes outfit. itself to Ike, right? I mean, Ike is the cornerstone yeah. of that for sure. It's, certainly yep. he's not the only good player in that defense, but um, if you swap him out and put Calvo in there and have the same back line, we're giving up, th- you know, two to three goals a game, not doing these one nils. Um, so we know how it was. Calvo played for us this season. <laughs> yeah. You can directly compare. Yeah. So, um, you know, we did have the Gasper, we had that moment where Gasper was the furthest man forward, weirdly enough. So the cross comes in and Gasper is running in and, um, I think it's Smith from uh, Colorado, um, takes him down, you know, pushes him basically from the back. Um, and Darwin take, gets up and takes the PK and it's a, dismal PK. I mean, it's a just a, a shitty Panenka that's kind of to the left, just just easy to save, um, but redeems himself, as you said, with that counterattack, and uh, you could see it in his brain. Darwin knows that this is, oh, this is Clint Irwin. I ruined his career last year. Um, <laughs> I should chip him, and then instead, nope, he does the opposite. Just puts him right in, puts it right underneath Irwin. Instead, and, he thinks every time I've tried to chip someone this year, it's gone terribly. Yeah, maybe I'll just take a, a normal shot for once. Yeah, 
Um, so that was the the goal, but it certainly should not have been the only goal. Um, Abu and uh, Angelo both missed very easy headers. Um, Abu's in particular, it was just like, again, it was like like he and he and Miguel just must have pissed off some witch doctor at some point. <laughs> um, and then and then you know one thing I noticed was that. Um, Abu right toward the end of the game, 90th minute, he takes a shot and it was, it was good. Hold on to the ball, takes a shot. And then Finley gets the rebound and he puts it back in and Abu is still on the ground. And Robin Ludd has seen the shot and didn't follow it, follow the shot in the 18. So there was no one there. And, you know, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, but the, the team, looks tired and i i'm i was amazed that Lude got 90 minutes um it, it was uh, he doesn't look 90 minutes fit um yeah he's you know he's still a player who i think you know should be feeling it out you know trying to get uh figure out what his place is and, and all of that and he's just being thrown right in there and being relied upon to help hold the lead and certainly it worked but Man, it, it, it's uh, it's frustrating. It, this has happened before for players that, that we've seen come yeah. into Minnesota and immediately Heath goes to the brand new thing and jettisons everything behind him. It's been weird with Lud because he has not... I mean, maybe he's killing it in training. I just don't... I, I, haven't, I haven't seen what he can do uh, at all, really. Um, I know his, his sort of 1v1 ability was touted. I don't think I've seen him really take someone on in a true 1v1 situation before. Um, I, I, he has played defensively in a way that remind and conservatively in a way that rem, has reminded me of, of Miguel. Uh, but he doesn't have Miguel's motor and Miguel's sort of ability to go all around the field connecting passes. So yeah. I, I don't, I just, I have not, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see something interesting from him. I, I haven't really seen it. It's bizarre. Yeah, we and we also saw. So we saw Dotson come in to. I, I think not bringing um, Ibarra in for load kind of makes sense in that you know you want to save uh, Darwin a little bit, and Dotson helps you shore up the midfield. Abu obviously gives you something else. I was more confused by subbing out Molino. And, and maybe Molina was subbed out, if, I, if I'm correct, in both games. And it's possible that he is not 90 minutes fit. And, yeah. Or, you know, and, and we've seen that before from him, certainly. So I, I don't disbelieve it. But, it, it, yeah, the, the Lud thing, I just, I'm, I'm still waiting to see something. Um, and, and, you know, it's not always fair to judge an international player coming into the league mid-season like this, we've seen time and time again how sometimes it's a struggle and then, they, you know, after a full preseason or whatever, they, they succeed. But if that's the case, well, why is he playing? Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, I mean, no one's forcing him to play. You know, well, it, if he's not ready, he's not ready. The same thing with Angelo last year where it's like, well, yep. I know we're judging him too early, but so is the coach. And so why, yeah, are we, why have we suddenly decided to switch tactics mid-season and go with this guy who's obviously not fit. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll move on to the Orlando game if, if you've got nothing to say about Colorado. Um, Orlando, um, Finley did start this one, uh, and Lud came off, right? So those are the two guys actually being rotated now. Um, 
which is to, to go back to, to continue a little bit of that uh, previous conversation. The one thing is it's very obvious that the players are all pretty tired. It's been a really rough stretch. Um, the one frustrating part is that you don't see any natural rotation going on. Um, you don't see um, players getting uh, dropped unless they're have a real knock, right? Like Ozzy or, or, or Ike. Um, and well, you so you've like, seen a little bit in that Montreal game and then the Dallas game. But, yeah. Well, but the Dallas game was because of like st- distinct uh, injuries and stuff. Like, uh, Ozzie, well, but I think there was most of the team was rotated in that game. And didn't we start with Olam and Martin in the Yes, you're right. You're right. But um, there have been two okay. games that have been basically a full yes. rotation. Sorry. Which you're, is fine. But I, I do. I don't know. And, and so I've, I've I, always wanted to see more. What I would want to see <sighs> in a game, if you've got two games in a week like this, I would want to see like, okay, like why don't you, um, you, you see it with how he used Finley and Lud, right? So Finley, uh, Lud starts one game and you would then bring in uh, someone to sub for him or, or let Lud on the whole time and then rest him the next game and use Ibarra or Finley or, uh, or whomever. Um, and that's where you're not seeing this kind of like, okay, give this guy 60 minutes because we know at least he can do a job. And then if I think Molino's way better, I'll give Molino 30 in this one at, toward the end to give us a spark. You don't kind of see that kind of natural rotation because, it, and I, I think it's just a matter of trust, right? I, I don't, I think Heath trusts the people he thinks are the best and he wants the best people in at all times, um, which. You know, but it's also yeah. The, the problem, he doesn't. Yeah. Sorry. The problem with that is that you're coming into a, a, something where we need to be really fresh for an Open Cup final, and we're going to need to be really fresh for all of these games. You know, two two home games that were against two of the easiest teams that should have been uh, six points. Um, those are games where you can rotate a bit, right? Like. Ibarra can still, even if you don't think he's as good as this guy load, he can still do a job, right? He was part of the team that was getting us on our crazy 11-game unbeaten streak. So uh, that's, and certainly not having Toy was a big problem here, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's my little mini rant about rotation. Yeah, and I I just think that it is a matter of trust, clearly, but you can, you have to give players a chance to build trust. And you have to, you know, we, we see this sort of with the play your kids idea. Um, you have to, you have to send people out there sometimes. And, and you, if you, if you have a culture of, and a, and a, a strategy of ro- rotating players all the time and, you know, you don't have to do it. You, you can have your, your, your sort of best 11, but if you're giving players opportunities to prove themselves as part of a sort of natural rotation, you can build players' trust up yeah. over the course of the season, and and you know they're ready to to come in and make an impact when you need them to. And well, they, it, they that, also, that's been you also that's been have a whole squad working toward a goal rather than yeah. the eleven. And you know, you've got these players who are demoralized so that when they come in, you know they're yeah. not uh, and they're not cohesive. They're, we they're we, not, yeah. we did in the Dallas game. There was no cohesion whatsoever, yeah. and and that was frustrating to see. Um, I also am frustrated. I mean, I, I've, I'm frustrated that uh, Michael Boxall is, is, has been playing virtually every game. He's been playing well, but that guy needs a break too. Um, and it's just, you know, 
I know that, that that you and I have heard good things about about Wyatt Amsberg in, in Madison from, from folks who have watched him play there. And it, I know that why, <laughs> me and guys like Wyatt Amsberg is kind of an inside joke on this podcast by now. But I, I don't under, I just don't understand why. I just I you know. I don't know why Michael Boxall is playing every game and, and not giving Amsberg a chance. It just, yeah, it's sort yeah. of a long-standing frustration, right? We, we, we can talk it to death. Let's, uh, let's do Minnesota versus Orlando. Um, again, this game where we had 22 shots to their five, um, six uh, on target to their three. Um, this was, the first half is the one I caught um, in person, um, and they were spectacular. I mean, they were just dominant. The 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 movement was so great. Um, it, it was they were just killing them in midfield. I yeah. mean, they, Orlando could barely get four touches in a row before they lost the ball. And you had um, you had that great. What was the one highlight reel one early where it was um, Gregush cuts it back and Darwin's at the top of the box, and he gets mm-hmm. a decent shot off. But the, the the run up to that one was spectacular, and we should have had. I don't know what the the expected goals were on this, but we should have had uh, several goals. Um, Instead, we come out of it with nothing. And again, like we have these, it was the same thing against Colorado. We had this and it's like, well, if we're not going to take these chances, they're going to make us pay. And in the second half, you know, Minnesota starts to lose its uh, momentum. Uh, We only had six shots uh, out of the 22. Six of our 22 came in the second half. Um, and that includes the eventual goal. Um, you can see the way this team uh, is really relying on, you know, you can see the magic that they can produce, but they can't do it for 90 minutes. And that makes me very afraid of what some of these teams on the road will do to us. What a Kansas City on Thursday, what a um, Seattle and LAFC and Atlanta are going to do with us on the road. That's that's kind of scary to me. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was an odd game. It was, it was the, it was, as you said, the first half was so dominant and yet they were not able to put anything in the net. Um, I guess one moment that stuck out, uh, stood out to me was there was a great run and cross, I think by Gasper. Uh, and it was just, this was after Angelo's injury um, and Abu was just a, a hair from sliding in to get it. And at the back post, Ethan Finley was just a hair from getting it. And it was, I had seen that play developing. I had a, I had a great view of that play. And I saw that when the cross was hit, Finley hesitated for a moment because he knew Abu was going to have a, have a play on it, or, or he thought he would. And that one hesitation was what prevented Finley from getting to the ball eventually on the back end. And it was just, it was like, it was that, that was the margin right there. The, uh, the hesitation, because for a moment you think, oh, this other guy has it. And then you go and miss it. I mean, it was, and, and Brian Rowe had a couple great saves. It was just so, it was so good and so frustrating for Minnesota all the way up until Orlando got this sort of, Freak penalty kick. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, but before we get to that, PK, um, you mentioned the Angelo injury. It seems like it's not 
that severe, but um, it certainly will keep him out of Thursday's game. That's what game. everybody always says about a hamstring injury, and then someone doesn't play for yeah. three weeks. Yeah, maybe. Um, that, that's Hopefully it was just a little like pinch or something, but him coming out of the game, you could, you could see, um, you know, we, we've always talked about <clears throat> what does an Adrian Hol- uh, uh, Heath team look like. You can see when Abu came in how integral Angelo has become to uh, to the movement of the ball forward for Minnesota. You know, like uh, Abu was making all the wrong runs, right? And and it's just people they're they're used to this is what Angelo is going to do, right? We're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. And um, and it was just very different. Abu is a very different kind of player. And um, and that's when we really started to lose momentum. I think he came out in the twenty third minute or something like that. Mm, we, the first we, half hour. Yeah, we really started to lose the shape of what the attack was looking like. And we still had so many chances that you know did. it was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't gone. You're right. I mean, there were a lot of you would see Abu was trying to sort of he didn't when you see a team that's clicking you you see the players moving almost unconsciously and you could see Abu when we had the ball in like a transition opportunity, he would be running along the line of the defenders and he wouldn't have the confidence to make a run and the player on the ball necessarily wouldn't always be waiting for him to make a run or looking for him to make a run. They just weren't on the same page and and they were clearly trying to feel each other out and feel the timing out all the time. And it just wasn't, you know, with Abu, you you want to be able to score like Darwin did against Colorado with a you know with a, a through ball on the ground that he runs onto. He needs you know one or two touches and then puts it away. That was not. They just couldn't. They almost. They didn't even really try because they just simply knew that they were not l- looking at it the same way. They were yeah. not viewing the situation from the same perspective, and it was frustrating to see because you know abu has gotten a lot of a lot of flack this season but we know we saw what he can do in his first season we he's not a terrible player no 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 he's not um you can tell by the comments the the team makes heath people make it's it's very like being a striker is a mental game and it doesn't seem like he's i think i think he's going to be someone who has to go to a new environment um, and he can maybe thrive there, which is not to say that uh, anything bad about this environment, but you know, it just whatever it is, it's not working for him. And, it and was, as long as he stays healthy, yeah. But even the health thing, I think, is a, a mental thing. Um, the mm. way they talk about it, right? Uh, um, so Opara gets uh, he takes down Nani um, for to give up a PK. Um, I've only seen it via the highlights. You know, I didn't see it live. Um, it looked to me in the highlights like a PK. You know, it's a bit soft, but, you know, he, yeah. he makes contact. Nani goes down. Nani was very smart by shielding the ball with his right foot, going right. around it, and knowing that he could draw uh, um, Opara into it. And um, and then we're down one nothing, and it looks like then, then it goes to full bunker mode, right? We go to Metonier sending in the crosses to... Uh, the tiniest group of attackers <laughs> on the planet. Um, yeah. And, uh, and weirdly enough, you know, it's a Metonier in, in second minute of minute of stoppage. Metonier sends a long throw in, uh, the defender puts it on the other defender, uh, you know, this kind of 
jostles it with uh, off his body, and then Lottie's there to put in the garbage goal, and voila, it's a it's a draw. Saves saved our, ourselves some embarrassment. Well, it was it was really ironic that after all of these failed crosses to nobody in particular, it was you know a, a throw in basically by Metinera that Opara sort of was able to challenge for, and then it just bounced you know bounced off a guy, and Abu was suddenly there in space. I mean, it was so fortuitous. It was not shouldn't be read as evidence that what we were doing was working. <laughs> It was a really uh, lucky goal, but it, you know, it's also a credit to Abu for being in that spot, you know, finding that space in the box and pouncing when he had the chance. Um, it it was a, it was good by him. I think it's also a credit to the team that so many times this season, you've seen these things where the team just keeps on pushing and keeps on pushing, and you know, it often has come through just a garbage goal off of you know. Uh, Angelo's butt cheek hair, um, or, or, or something like that. Um, but garbage or whatever, it, it happens, and I think it happens because I think the team is playing with a lot of spirit right now. Even if they're tired or whatever, they're playing um, with a, a something of a belief that that you can see, and it gets it's getting some of these results. You know, this should have been six points easy. Uh, these two games, um, they made it hard on themselves. Uh, um, to get four points from the the six, but um, they still got them. They still got those four points, and um, I, I don't think there's a question of whether or not they'll they'll finish in the playoffs. Although I guess there actually is because they're only what they're five points or four points. It's still close. It's it's, it's crazy close. close. I mean, you have to you have to remember that there are there's for them uh, there are a lot of games left. A, but B, a lot of teams would have to be good. And Minnesota would have to be quite bad. I, I think they're the, in a good position. Let's the, put it that yeah, way. Yeah. The the real real thing is that um, I think Portland Timbers are in. You know, let's let's talk about that. Let's be yeah. done with this game. You've got well, LAFC. Can we talk obviously. about the ending? The, the sort of dramatic VAR ending because that was weird. Oh, tell me about that. Actually, I forgot it. I go. Oh, it wasn't in the highlights. So um, yeah, tell me about it. Well, moments. I mean, moments after a boost score and they had restarted. I don't know. I just had a bad feeling. Orlando was attacking, and um, they they got the ball in the box, and I think it was Tesho Akindele who shot the ball. It clearly bounced off Chase Gasper's hand. The referee pointed to the spot, you know, like the 94th minute. I mean, we're, we're just seconds away from the game ending. And it was, it felt, it felt awful because, and 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 um, I, I asked Doug Marshak about this on, on Twitter, and it did not uh, to me. I mean, I'm I'm sticking to my guns here. I, I don't think that's a handball. I just Gasper's hand did not look away from his body to me in any. It looked like an extremely natural position to me, and the ball was kicked into it from close range. But regardless, the referee called for the handball penalty, and the VAR got in his ear and said, not that. It wasn't a handball, but that Akandele had been offside before re- receiving the ball. He went to the monitor and he quickly confirmed it, and he called off the penalty. And it was it was such a bizarre. I mean, we I think we've talked on this podcast before about the effects of VAR 
and how it feels in the game. But this was one of those opportunities when it would have been really, really good to, uh, to have an in-stadium announcement as to the reason why the goal or the penalty had been yeah. disallowed. Because people were very confused. People were happy. People people were very confused. Yeah. And it, it, it did sort of suck, you know, it did sort of suck a little bit of the life out of the stadium at that time. You know, and then people were were happy, I guess, to get the draw after what had happened. But it was just a weird ending. It was a confusing ending. Um, VAR is stupid unless it means it's a uh, for Tottenham Hotspur. So, <laughs> um, uh, let's let's talk about the the standings here real quick because we're going into this crazy final um, run of eight games, uh, and and it's a tough run. Um, uh, Los Angeles Football Club are top of the standings with. Do you know their goal differential? Uh, I'm without guessing. I'm gonna guess plus forty. Forty-two. Wow. The next closest is us with eight, which is just absolutely crazy. the The best in 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 the East is uh, Atlanta with fifteen. Uh, FC Cincinnati has a negative thirty-five. So that means <laughs> uh, LAFC are that much better then FC Cincinnati are bad. And FC Cincinnati are bad. So um, kudos to them. Um, uh, we are in second with 42 points. Seventh place, the last playoff spot, is 37 points. So there's a five-point spread there. And and outside the playoff spot is also 37 points. Thankfully, we've got a good goal differential going into this. We've got a little bit of a buffer. Thank um, you, Cincinnati. But basically, there are uh, um, seven teams fighting for six playoff spots, and everyone else is pretty. No, eighteen. Sorry, eight teams fighting for seven playoff spots. Yeah, LA are are clinched though. So, oh, you mean yeah? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I and, understand. And so, yep. um, you know, Dynamo, KC, uh, Colorado, and Vancouver are are, are out, um, uh, even though you know yep. Dynamo are only six points back, but. Um, they, they're they're just turning up their season. Totally, like, no one sees them coming back, yeah. um, unless Ramirez leads a, 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 a renaissance. Him and Davy Arnault. Um, so, but if you look down below us, you know, LA Galaxy have been up and down all season. Uh, Real Salt Lake uh, are, are um, uh, you know, ha- had been really good. Obviously, there's the pet, pet key firing. I didn't see how they did. Post Petkey, um, did they win this weekend? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, no, they lost, but they played LA, so it doesn't oh, count. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, you know, you've got uh, Seattle. They, they beat uh, Seattle midweek. So um, earthquakes are now getting a little tired, and so um, going down. Portland Timbers are on their way up. Um, so FC Dallas are hit or miss. I think it's more than likely that we have a better end of the season than FC Dallas. So I think that the idea that FC Dallas really um, pulls this out against uh, oh, oh, more than us and we just really tank down the, um, the standings is it, pretty unlikely. So I think that we do get a playoff spot here. Um, I think what's weird is that there were, you know, these, t- it, it, like a couple weeks ago, it felt like all of these teams were winning. Yeah. And now it feels like I don't know. L.A. Galaxy look really vulnerable to me. Seattle are having a pretty poor stretch. Yeah. The Magic has could have gone out of San Jose. Portland, 
are you know climbing as everyone knew they would, but they're, I, I would not say that they've been dominant. And then Dallas have have also struggled. So it feels very, I, it feels more more comfortable. We also have a game in hand against Dallas as well, so which yeah. is a, important to note. But um, for me, I, I've always said the goal is a home playoff spot. I am yes. not. I mean, knock on wood, but I'm not. I'm not concerned. Either. I'm not too concerned either about making the playoffs. And so, that, yeah, that's the real question here, right? The like, home playoff if, spot is what I care if about. If we don't make the playoffs, it is a disaster. We we just really crap up the end of the season. But yeah. we've been decent on the road. You know, our, our we've got. Uh, four seven four wins seven losses uh, one tie um, that's you know if, if you look at that if we if we got basically two wins uh, uh, four losses and two ties or something like that then we would be fine but is that going to be enough to get us in those top four spots which is really really should be the goal we need a home playoff game finishing sixth is not a success, you know, it, no. it, it's a moderate success over last year, but we see what this team can do. Um, and I, I'm looking at this, uh, uh, to me, I mean, I, I think that obviously LA have one of the home playoff games. I, I look at Portland as probably being likely as, ha- as having another, as a, one of the other home playoff games, but otherwise I don't see anyone who at the moment looks like they're going to grab their chance to me. And I think that Minnesota have a very good chance at it. I really, I think that we're in a good position. I, I know the only thing that that scares me is that we have yet to play LAFC this season. Yeah. Um, so that's a concern, and we have to play Portland away. I mean, we have some. No, tough we played matches a- LAFC out. once. Earlier. In oh, sorry. Do, so yeah. we only have to we have to play We've, them in in LA. Pardon me. Yeah. Um, so we we played them once in LA, and now we we play them twice. No, that's not true. I'm sorry. We play them. We play them away on September 1st. Yeah, and then and then I, we play them at home on September 29th. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I'm I've been kind of like going through and checking the end of the season schedule for a couple of these teams, LA Galaxy, for example, they've got the the big um, El Tráfico this weekend. Seattle Sounders, but then they play Colorado, Kansas City, Montreal, RSL are good, Vancouver, Dynamo. They've got four games there that I, I think are, you would say they should win three out of four of those. You know, um, And so <clears throat> you look at things like that, you know, we know that Portland, Portland I think are going to finish in the, that top three, um, or you know, the top four, sorry, the, the, the home playoff games. And then it's like, all right, well, which other team are we going to pick off? Uh, is it RSL? Is it, uh, you know, Seattle Sounders? Are they going to have a good end of the season? Um, and we do play the Seattle Sounders, so it is going to get really tight for a couple of those games where if we lose against Seattle Sounders, that might kick us out of the, the home playoff games. Yeah. So um, we've got Kansas City coming up here away. Um, we're going to be missing Angelo and... Ozzy, um, we uh, will have Toy back, uh, so I, I would expect Toy to start. We also have, I think, Moimbe Tarat um, is going to be redder, ready um, uh, for left back, so I, I would assume he's not going to be starting here, um, that uh, Chase would still get a run. Um, Shakon, uh, Shaka Tom is going to um, go on the, <laughs> on the road with them. He, he showed up at the airport 
they like made the big announcement that they were going to do this. And um, uh, I think one of the one kind of indication of how much work this team still needs to do with media market pen- penetration is, you know, it was kind of a small crowd. To it was last out. minute. They like announced it like. I don't know. They they almost announced it by the time his plane had ended. Like they left. announced it at the game the day before. I uh, I felt like it. I well, okay. it was at, at halftime remember, they made but... that announcement in the stadium. Mm, okay. Um, well, and all the and because I saw a Greeter and um, uh, Zagoda and and uh, Jeff tweeted it out as well. But um, that's just. A, a side note there. So they've got Shaka Tom who can come in. Um, I would expect him not to play. I would expect him just to go with the team and it would be kind of crazy for, for him to uh, be thrown in there already. But um, <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you expect from this game? And then let's talk about Atlanta away. Well, I, I, I think that, I think that this game obviously is, is less important than the Atlanta game. Um, this is still a game that the loons, have three points that are very attainable. I think that I'll be looking for Mason Toy's return. I mean, I think that that's basically guaranteed. Um, and and uh, I'll be looking again. I think you covered it with the two absences of, of Angelo and and Ozzy. I'll be looking to see Hassani Dotson in midfield again. It's been interesting to see him play alongside Gregush because Gregush takes much more responsibility uh, when Dodson is, is in, which you understand. Mm. Um, and it, but it's a different midfield dynamic than the one that has Alonzo. Um, so I'll be looking at that. You know, I, I, I'd like to see Michael Boxall get a day off. Um, I, 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 it'll be interesting because it's a weird game. It's on a Thursday after a Saturday game. And then the U.S. Open Cup final is, is on a Tuesday, so we have sort of this strange five-day rest uh, between uh, this game and the last, and then uh, this game and the upcoming game beyond that. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of rotation there is for that. I hope that there'll be some rotation, as, as we talked about. You know, it's important to have people fresh. And as important as these three points could be against sporting, we also have a chance to play for a trophy. So... Yeah, and that that trophy game is not going to be easy. Atlanta, um, you know, during the the Frank DeBoer early days was was faltering, but they are rising up the the standings. This, they're top of the East now. They're still um, not great, but they're playing. The talent is shining through. That's yeah. definitely the case. And and they can they can grind out, and uh, you know their their talent can really show. The nice thing is our defense. You know, I think can go with the best of them. Um, uh, I'd be interested to see that Miles Robinson patented uh, late run uh, up the field, uh, um, center back making his run through through the opposition. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of afraid that it'll be a three nil drubbing in in Atlanta. Um, but regardless, uh, you know, you don't get to see your team in a Cup final very often. Um, I, I'm stupidly going to be missing it. Obviously, I'll, I'll be down in Texas. Um, but, and I know that a ton of people are going, so I, I hope that like other people like take advantage. If you're one of the left behind, uh, um, uh, like Kirk Cameron or something, um, come to the Blackheart, like, uh, watch, celebrate or, or bemoan, uh, um, 
uh, with, with other people because it, it's kind of uh, it's a, a blast to do. And then there's karaoke afterwards. So you can either celebrate or uh, sing like, do you really want to hurt me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is probably going to be the most fitting. Uh, no, I'm excited about this game regardless. It'll, uh, I'll see if Christian Ramirez uh, ditches me or not. Um, or if he'll, he'll, he'll watch, I'll go down to Houston and try to watch the game with him. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm fully expecting him to be like, oh man, I'm sorry. I've got like a real life and real friends. But um, yeah, I don't. Do you have anything else to say about the, this upcoming last run? Did, what was your prediction in the, uh, the ye old um, Bruce McGuire, uh, we have eight games left challenge, prediction challenge? I I noticed that nobody was going high, so I went with thirteen. Yeah, I I think I have the highest. I don't know if anyone has gone higher than me so far, but uh, I have a I have the most aggressive prediction. So, well, I mean, they have I would say the easiest games. If you look at just Sporting KC, they play twice, and Houston Dynamo, they play away in a midweek game. Um, Nine points right there. Those those. That should be not should be, but seven to nine points there. I think is um, is reasonable with how good we are and how mediocre those ter- terrible those teams have been. And just a win and a draw against someone else. You know, Portland away is going to be a loss. LAFC is going to be a loss. Um, Seattle Sounders end of the season uh, probably a loss. LAFC at home uh, probably a loss, or it's a five two win. Who knows? Um, RSL at home. RSL at home is like that one could be a win, right? So I think thirteen is totally. I said eight, but I just I basically just said a number. I didn't have any thought to it. <laughs> um, I think probably what I would my hope for this would be probably what seven points from those three um, beat RSL. Uh, draw those. I would say my hope for these would be twelve. You know. Draw LAFC at home, draw Seattle Sounders away, lose two of those. Yeah. Anyway, shoot for the moon, Wes. Yeah, but we don't draw teams. We only have like one draw all year, so um, <laughs> it, it just won't happen. It'll be one nil wins and losses each, each way, except for against six LAFC. draws this year. But oh, one away. I barely, barely remember any of them. Yeah, six draws. One, only one away from home. Five draws at home. That's that's what I was thinking of. <sighs> Um, all right. Well, uh, let's just uh, call it quits early here. Um, I don't know when next week's podcast is going to be. I'll be down in Texas, so maybe we'll schedule like a Wednesday night uh, podcast or something after uh, after the um, Open Cup loss. But we'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> hey. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm preparing myself for doom. Um, thanks uh, everyone for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for all the kind words about my uh, my recovery and. Um, I will hopefully see you soon. I'll be at the the bar on Thursday, and then Saturday morning I'll be doing EPL mornings. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Alex. All right, thank you.